Dude, I think the cool thing about you that I think should be noted for the people that listen to the podcast and the people around you is like, dude, you want to see someone who genuinely wants to make a difference, watch them make a difference for free. Mm-hmm. And, and you're not charging people, you know? Depends and dude, I, I think that's fucking cool as shit. And the, and the truth is, and this is what got me into coaching all the way, I did this already. I did it for many years. I helped a lot of my friends yeah, and for family free. for free. I know. And I showed up for free and I supported for free. I gave money for That's free. I did all of these things and I was like, fuck man, I'm already doing it. And I have people message me all day. How did you do this? How are you 35 and you have all these things and you built all this shit? Well, let me show you. And that's when I finally stepped back and I was like, yeah, you know what? I probably should. Dude, we all have the best time ever to start a small business. If I'm not going to be 100% in, I'm not going to do it. Come on, man. Just be yourself. Yeah. And and just show up as yourself. If you don't realize what I'm really about, I'm about freedom, family, and my country. Keaton. Thanks for being here, brother. Cheers. Absolutely. I wish I could cheers you. I know. That's all right. You want some water? Yeah, I might take some water. All right. We'll get, we'll get you water. Have one of those guys give me some water. So what I like to start the podcast with usually is kind of talking about why I wanted you as a guest or whoever's sitting in that chair. Yeah. And then a little bit about why I started this podcast. Uh, I was a kid who didn't do well in school. Uh, I was pretty chippy. You and I have had some pretty vulnerable conversations about that. Uh, Shout out to Keaton's coaching. If you're not in Limitless Society, Get in. more importantly, if you want to do the one-on-one, it's totally worth it. <clears throat> um, when I was coming up after school, I didn't think that anybody was really helping me out as much as I needed. I didn't have a large network. I didn't come from money. And I said, as soon as I have a couple bucks, I'm going to turn around and help the next guy. And you embody that. I see a lot of coaches on the internet, a lot of people who are coaches in my industry, the finance space. There's a lot of sharks. Uh, you genuinely care. Uh, your story is pretty cool. You know, being a mission and you know doing what you've done out in Salt Lake and what you do for the people around you is huge. So I'm totally humbled to have you here, dude. And again, cheers to you. I appreciate it, man. I really appreciate it. I learned uh, really, really quickly that as soon as you make a little bit of money, um, if you're a real person, if you really are, we okay to swear on your podcast? Mm-hmm. Um, if you're a real fucking person. Like your, your progression of things in life is once you make a little bit of money, the first thing you should be doing is figuring out how the fuck you help other people. Mm-hmm. The world is so fucked up and there's so many crazy people out there that are me, 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 me. And I've realized in my own self that the more success I want is by helping more people become successful, whether that's in the group Limitless Society in a personal way. And, and I think and I know this is not going to fare well with a lot of people who are fairly successful. I think you're a piece of shit. If you make money, if you become famous, if you get rich and you don't automatically turn around and say, all right, who can I help get to where I feel like they should be? And, and realistically your whole group, like even all these dudes you got around you, if, if you have friends, they're real dudes and they're not as successful as you and you're fucking crushing for you not to turn around and be like, bro, I got you. Like, you're a piece of shit. And that's ultimately how I've done everything in my life. The, the reality is, it's like, I, I've made some money. I've been successful. I'm famous. I have followers. I have all these cool things. What am I going to do? Keep making money and keep being by myself? That's fucking stupid, man. I want to party. I want to have fun. I want to sit with. I want to enjoy friends and family on the trip and the journey with me. And if all I'm doing is focus on me, at some point, I'm going to be on a fucking island by myself that I own 
sitting around going, this sucks. Yeah, and that happens. Yeah, it happens a lot, dude. The, the twins that were just on here, sisters, they killed in the healthcare space. One's private equity venture. The other one is you know, very successful within uh, Medtronics. And they said, learn it, earn it, return it. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I, I, I totally love that. And you're doing that, man. Yeah. You're giving back to people. I mean, even coming out here, what most people don't realize, it costs you a pretty penny to get Keaton Hoskins on your podcast. Probably anywhere from 10 to 20 grand. And you're doing it. Again, I'm in your coaching. So if you're not the coaching, again, a little plug for get in there. Limitless, get in there. You came out here. You hung out for multiple nights. You and your beautiful wife, Maddie, <laughs> with my wife. And you met my family and Mike Tomei and Holly and all them, uh, as well as all my friends. You know, a lot of these guys I've known for a long time. So... Again, thank you so much, and you're Absolutely. definitely you're you're living what you say. You don't just preach some bullshit. You yeah. live. There's a lot of that right so, now. So what I like to do is chronologically walk through people's lives. So you're of the Mormon faith, raised pretty strict in that world, right? Uh-huh. Out in Salt Lake. Were you always in your area where you live now? Uh, yeah, most of my life. I mean, I grew up a little bit in Southern California. Moved back to Utah in my teenage years and then was essentially there the, the whole time. And then I became a missionary. I went to Seattle. I was a missionary in Seattle. Came back um, <clears throat> and essentially came home and was like, I'm going to be a doctor. Crazy enough. Um, I uh, I was never smart like you. I, I didn't get through school well. I, I had all the classes for, you know, you're an idiot, whatever. ADD, ADD whatever. you know. The labels. Yeah, all that stupid shit. And uh, I got back from my mission. And while I, was, while I was a missionary, I only had one goal. I wanted to learn everything I could possibly learn. So, and this is not a joke. People question me all the time. I memorized the Bible word for word when I was a missionary. No shit. Yeah. It, that's a lot. It's like 1,200 pages. It's like, it's a lot. a lot. I memorized it all. And in that memorization, I, I gained or started to gain a photographic memory. Like literally started to get to a point where I could look at something long enough and go, all right, I have it. When I got back from my mission, I was like, oh man, maybe smarts is just what you're interested in and what you want to do and what you want to be. And so I got back and I was like, I'm going to go to medical school. I want to be a doctor, you know? And really, really quickly, um, I went to, I started doing some pre-med stuff, uh, and I was like, this ain't for me. Every person I talked to, doctors, they always said the same shit. Don't do it if you're in it for the money. And I was like, why the fuck are you in it? Yeah. You know, of course, that was a young mentality. I didn't know. A lot of doctors are there because they want to change the world. They want to help people. They want to do what I'm doing now in my own life. I want to change the world. Got there differently. Yeah, for sure. But every doctor I talked to was like, dude, it's not worth the money. When you really break down the time and the energy and, and what you're really getting paid and all the debt. And I was like, I don't want to do that. No part of me wants to do that. So immediately I left school. I only really did a semester and a half, I think. Um, and I, I went in and I was like, I got to figure out what I'm going to do. And for now, I'm just going to be a personal trainer. I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to be a personal trainer. I'm going to go into a gym and I'm going to find clients and, you know, whatever, until I figure out what the fuck I'm going to do. I'm going to rewind you for a second before you go further down this, if I can. While you were away on your missions trip, you talked about it on your call and again, I'm giving a little bit of IP away inside yeah. the Limitless Society. You talked about your father really struggling with his illness. Yeah. And he was, you know, not in a good place health-wise. Yeah, he was essentially sick all while I was growing up. He was a diabetic um, and he had had kidney transplants. Mm-hmm. And anytime you have a transplant of any sort, kidney, heart, lungs, whatever, your body fights it. 
right? And it fights it like it's a sickness. So you have to take what's called immunosuppressants, which mm -hmm. suppresses your immune system. And as my dad did that, over time, a cold turned into a fucking nightmare. Mm -hmm. Pneumonia turned into he's gonna die. You know, all of these things, they, they real quickly became real serious. And because of that and watching that, that was the whole reason why I went backwards and was like, well, I'm gonna go to medical school. I wanna find a cure for diabetes. That was the whole thought behind it. Mm -hmm. um, and, and then obviously when I got back from my mission, really, really crazy experience when I got back from my mission, uh, he had kind of held out. Like when I left on my mission, it's two years that you're a missionary. When I left on my mission, I didn't think he was going to be there when I got home. He, he didn't really think he was going to be there when I got home. Um, Did he lead you to believe that with his letters he wrote you? No, he, uh, he told me he would, but I don't think he really believed it. Mm -hmm. um, he was like, I'm going to be here when you're, you know, when you get back, I'll be here. And multiple times while I was a missionary, and it's kind of a crazy thing. Missionaries, they don't get the time to like call their families and go visit. Like when you're a missionary, you're a missionary. You don't talk to your friends and family at home. You, don't, you like you are a missionary, at least if you do what you're supposed to be doing. So you, you, you leave, it's two years, and about 16, 17 months in, I started to get the calls and the messages of like, hey, dad's not doing good. Mm -hmm. And I just automatically assume like, he's just not gonna make it. And when I said goodbye to him when I was 19, it was kind of like, this is probably the last time I'm gonna see you, which was a hard thing to do. So I, you know, I talked about it in my call about, about dedication. dedication and determination and how if you put your mind to something, you really can do whatever the fuck you want to do. Like, that's really the truth. And so I watched my dad essentially almost die like 10 times. And then it got up. My two years got up and I came home and he was there. And, you know, surprisingly enough, he was like, I told you I'd be here, you know. And then within less than three months later, he passed away. So, I mean, it, it showed me immediately in the very beginning of my life, like your mind really controls what you want and what you can achieve. Mm -hmm. You know, you even watch those old people that have been married for 60 years. They're both healthy as shit. One of them goes and then the next one goes. Yeah, pretty quickly. Yeah, pretty quickly. And it's because the mind essentially when the mind says, all right, man, I'm done. You're done. But if that's the truth, then on the opposite end, if the mind can conceive a thought, like really take it in and then believe in it, you can really go and achieve, achieve it. it. Like that, that's as simple as I could possibly be in anything that I teach. Like, dude, you want to fucking, you want to own Philadelphia? You want to own New York? You want to own New Jersey? Let's fucking put together a plan and you can do it. We're doing it. Yeah. Like that's what it is. Like you look at people like The Rock. Like that guy's crushing it. And at some point in his life, he fathomed that he could be as big as he is. And then he went and achieved it. And everybody that listens to stuff like this that goes, oh, that's, you can't fucking do that. Guy. It's the same. It's the same person that's sitting in the same exact circle all fucking day long doing nothing to change or get better or grow or actually, actually accomplish in their mind that they can be and do anything that they want to do. And I grasped that immediately. Dude, I was 21. I watched him die you and I was like, your dad. Yeah, I was like, this, this motherfucker held on just for me. And then immediately he was like, all right, I'm done, man. I'm fucking going home. That's it. So I got that and and that set out everything for me. So I you vowed, came back, I went to medical school and I took you off your story, I brought you back. Yeah, you, you went to medical school. So I, I, I went to pre-med. I went pre -med. to I did pre-med, which isn't medical school. I did pre-med, um, and was like, "This is stupid. I don't. I don't want to be in school for twelve years. I want to be fucking retired in twelve years." And I used to tell people all the. My first wife, I used to tell her all the time. I was like, "No, I'm going to be retired at thirty. 
and even her, she, you're not gonna be retired at 30. You can't do that. Yeah. And I would tell people that all the time. I'm gonna be retired at 30, and every single person, you know, it's not gonna happen. Never gonna happen. Those are the same motherfuckers that I get a message from even now. That's like, oh, I'm so proud of you, man. Yeah. I'm so proud yeah. of what. Thanks. Yeah, you're Thanks, like, bud. I'm like, thank you. I, I yeah. thank you. I appreciate you. Yeah. You're the reason I got here because you didn't believe in. Yeah, you in told what me I'm I couldn't. Doing. So I, uh, I started being a personal trainer. And within like two months, I outsold everybody in the gym. So the owner of the gym came and said, dude, I want you to run the gym and I want you to do what you're doing on this level with the whole gym. So I took over the gym, started selling, and I, I, I made a deal with him. I said, hey, I'm not gonna do this shit for free. Like, and I'm not talking about commissions, I'm talking about owning something. So at 22, I made a deal with this guy and said, I will help you open up more gyms, I'll help you become profitable everywhere, but I want a piece. So a year into it, I helped him open three more gyms. I helped him make massive amounts of money in personal training and the gym area. One day before it was time for me to be vetted in my interest, he fired me. No Came shit. in and was like, hey man, you, you gotta go. No reason, no nothing. And I remember that day very, very vividly. Um, he, uh, he's a big piece of shit, but it said into me that I, I'm not gonna do anything with anybody no more. I'm gonna build my own success off of my back. And that's where, you know, you hear me say this a lot. I would rather sink on my own ship than I would sell on anyone else's. If Bill Gates showed up and said, hey man, I need you to come help me and you're gonna do what I tell you, but we're gonna make billions, I'd be like, fuck you, man. I'm doing my own thing. I'll Especially make- Especially Bill Gates, fuck him. Yeah, dude, I'll make 50 grand before, I'll make 50 grand a year before I join you on your ship. and. Some of that is probably not the best advice for some people, but for me, that's what that's how I headed into everything. So you believe in yourself. Yeah. So I left. Uh, I left the gym, and I told everybody at the gym, walking out with my bags, I'm like, you know what? This whole fucking place is gonna be under in two years, and I'm gonna take every fucking trainer. I'm gonna take every person that's training with a trainer, and I'm gonna shut this bitch down. You know, of course, they're like, oh, he's just angry. He's fired. 21, 22 year old kid. He doesn't know what he's talking about. So I started my first company. It was called MoFit for mobile fitness. I brought trainers. I went to people's houses. I put the trainers in people's houses. You don't need a gym. You just need a trainer with equipment. Yep. So we would go to their house. I would sell them on a three, four, five, six hundred $600 program. The trainer would come to your house three to five times a week, depending on the program that you set up. <clears throat> and then we would get you in shape. And then I went to the gyms that I oversaw and said, hey, what do you make here? Three grand? All right, I got you. I'll pay you five. Come work for me. So I, I recruited a ton of the trainers. I started going, dude, I was going door to door. I didn't give a shit. Mm -hmm. And I started meeting in people's houses. And then within the first year, um, I was doing about $75,000 a month. And I was net? paying, yeah, net. But it was cash. Yeah, that's a lot of money. It's a lot of money when you start talking about cash. I was paying my trainers anywhere from 15 to 20 grand. Um, and I was taking home the rest. As simple as that. That's huge. It was big, dude. 22-year-old taking home 30, 40K in cash. What um, were you thinking at the time? You're making that type of money. What were you? I wasn't. I wasn't even thinking about it. I never even counted it. I would go home and I would put the 500 and fives into my safe. I'd put the 100 of fives or 20s in my, because, you know, they would pay us in cash, put it in my safe. I wouldn't, I didn't even count it. Mm -hmm. Now I would go, oh, I owe the trainers uh, 15 this month. Okay, blah, 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 doom, doom, doom. I never really even kept track of it. And I didn't really know how successful I was becoming. I didn't do the books right. I wasn't doing anything right. I just knew I was going to be successful as fuck. And I was going to take people with me. And so all of my trainers, really happy, loved it. They were like, dude, this is so great. I go to different houses. I train for five hours a day. I make five grand a month. They were happy as shit. Yeah, they were pumped. 
So from there, I went to my local um, my local gym, which in Utah is actually still one of the biggest gyms in Utah, 65,000 square foot gym. I went into the old guy that owned it and I said, listen, I wanna buy the gym. I know it's not doing well, I wanna buy it, but I wanna buy the building too. And he was like, all right, so we structured a deal. So time out real quick, it's for the nuggets, for people. So how do you, at 22 years old, you knew that you were doing something good, you had some chips stacked. Right, and you don't always have to have the chip stack. No, but you had a mentality of you walked in the room, and no one here was better than me. I can add value to this guy. We can both be profitable off that. How did you do that? So essentially, I went in and with the biggest fucking chip on my shoulder, and I, I from the I don't know, man, from the time I was eighteen, now nah, maybe even earlier, I just always believed that I could do anything that anybody else could do. Uh, I, I would look at an NBA player and say, I could get there. If all I focused on was NBA, I could get to the NBA. If all I focused on was the NFL, I'd get to the NFL. If all I focused on was a doctor, I could be a doctor. And I realized that that mentality of, if you can do it, I can fucking do it. And I could probably do it better. Although it was probably very misleading and it wasn't a real truth, it's what right. I believed. So when I walked into a room and my partner, he was 62. He had done like three big real estate deals. He had $60 million to his name, Rich. The gym was suffering. It was like 20 grand a month under. So he was paying 20 grand a month to keep it real estate was worth some money though, right? It, but it wasn't until the gym was worth something. And I knew that. So I went in and I said, listen, uh, dickhead, because I didn't. the guy, I don't like him. I said, listen, I will come in. I'll flip this place around immediately. I will bring all of my billing into the gym. I'm billing 75 grand a month. I know you're losing 40. So we're going to flip the script day one from negative 20 or 40 to making 30 or 40 grand a month. I want the gym, I want half of the gym, and I want half of the building. I said, now I'm giving you 35 grand a month for a year, that's that's 400, 500K. I'm giving that to you year one for a gym that's not doing anything. This gym is worth zero dollars. In fact, you would have to pay me to take it because I have to pay to keep it open. But I said, but I know when the gym flips and it pays its rent, the building is worth a fuckload more. So that's what we did. We made the deal. Was he behind on his mortgage on it? No, he had tons of money. He yeah. was just, but he was just every month. He was month. seeing the cash flow pour out. Yeah, dude, he was just uh, 20 grand. He didn't care. So again, I want to stop you. And I know your, your thoughts get running and I want to let you run. But people, relationships, relationships that have equity. You had the relationships with the people that were getting trained by your trainers that was led by you. You knew that you could take those relationships. You didn't necessarily have the liquidity to go in, and if this building was worth, just just call it $10 million, go in there and give him five as, as his 50% partner. Yeah. But you knew that you had equity in those relationships which drove cash flow. Yeah. Talk about that a little bit. Well, essentially, I knew that it was a bleeding asset and that a bleeding asset isn't worth anything until you stop the bleeding. So when I came in, and you know, this was one of the calls in Limitless Society that we talked about was structuring deals. There's always deals to be structured, everything. You wanna buy a car, you can't afford structure a deal. You wanna buy a house, you can't afford structure a deal. You wanna buy a business, you can't afford Talk structure a deal. Talk about that, what do, you mean? what do you mean structure a deal? For someone who doesn't know. So essentially, any deal can be structured if both parties are mutually benefited. Essentially, if I come to you and I say, hey man, I'm selling my business for 400 grand. And you're like, I don't have 400 grand, but I want your business. So then you come back to me and you say, hey man, this is what makes the most sense to me. How about instead of selling your business outright, I buy 50% today. I take over. Everything that we make for the next six months goes into your pocket towards that 400. Once we get the payout done through the business, 
And then, because the deal that we're structuring has to be mutually beneficial, you're going to take some interest too. So I'm not going to buy the I'm not going to buy the business for 400. I'm going to buy it for 500, but I'm not going to pay for it until it's been a year and a half in business. Smart businessman, how does he say no to that? They don't. No one says no. So you're to adding. It. So, but this is the thing. You're adding the value up front. Yeah. Like free, you're essentially painting the picture of the value. Like a free because coaching he's, group. Yeah, he's hoping. He's hoping that he can take a $400 paycheck home today and you're telling him, give me a year and you can take a $500 or a 500K paycheck home. And you can do that with everything. Dude, I have seen the craziest fucking deals in my life happen because I just sit down and go, hey man, let's just structure a deal. Let's just- let's And you have the capital or you have the, the people. Yeah, I, and I never had the capital. That's the cool thing. Everything I've done, I've started 23, 24 companies. All of those companies started with $0 or no more than 7,500 bucks. Mm -hmm. Some of those companies are worth or did hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars, tens of millions of dollars. But they, at some point, weren't worth anything, you know? And so- Back to that structuring the deal, like that's that's what I did in the, the, the gym deal. That's what I do in every single deal. I walk in and I say, listen, I know that there's value here for you. It may not be the 400 grand that you're asking, but fuck it, I'll make it better play for you. Play the long game with me. Yeah, yeah, just play with me. And, and dude, worst case scenario, I fuck up, I write it back to you, you fucking take it back. You've already taken some of my money and we walk away scotch-free. But we talked about this a lot. The confidence as a 22, 24-year-old guy to walk into the room with a guy worth 60 million bucks, because I'm like that. I've been in those deals. I talk about charitable LLC, and I, I won't go too deep into it, but I know that I don't have what these guys have, yeah. but I'm fully confident of walking in that room and pitching it to them. Yeah. Whether they take it or not is fully up to them. Talk about how you did that, and again, going back to the mindset. You know, there's there's a really simple answer to that for most people that most people don't understand. Most people don't understand what you should do is walk away from anything at any time. My wife, she's not listening, but she knows. Like, in any type of relationship or business deal, I will walk away with nothing fucking attached, ever. If it doesn't serve me and work out the way that I want, I'll walk away. People walk in all the time, they see a car they want. Regular dealership, right? And you see this all the time. The dealership, the sales guy pitches them. You own a couple dealerships, right? I do own a dealership. The dealership sees them and sees that they have a hard-on for that truck. They know they're going to sell them. When I walk in, I go, man, I like that truck. Cool, let's see if we can make a deal. Oh, we can't make a deal? Fuck you, I'm out of here. Mm. No, I don't care. You're not going to talk me into it. No emotional attachment. Yeah, so I do that with everything. It's the same thing in the business. I went in and said, I want this business. I love it. I'm so passionate about it. But if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. And he saw that really quickly. What was the exit out of that at the end of the whole deal? So it it actually ended really bad because I was young and I didn't know what I was doing. Um, So we took over the gym. I took over. Um, I flipped the script. We started making good money. And essentially, he started, like, billing the gym. Random things. like Super smart. Yeah, like, hey, uh, hey, I, I put 200 grand of new cardio equipment in four years ago. I'm charging interest to the gym for that 200 grand. So this month, we profited three, 30 grand. Nah, that's really 30 grand in interest that you owe me. So he started doing shit like that. And I didn't know, dude. I knew nothing. That's yeah. why I tell people I didn't know anything. So he started doing stuff like that, and uh, essentially we got into a real bit. I was like, this don't make any fucking sense at all. I'm not doing this shit with you anymore. Yeah. And in the interim of me seeing that that didn't work, that's when our TV show started to to come out. And were you uh, were you already at that time, and we're, we're jumping around, this is yeah. my ADD, were you already 
building trucks and hanging yeah. out with those dudes? Yeah, I was building trucks from when I, the time I was 16. I just, I like to build shit. So I would just build a fun truck, keep it for a while and then sell it. Diesel Dave was, him and I went to high school and junior high together. We'd known each other forever. And when I got back from my mission and I started doing these things, I was still building trucks on the side for myself. Mm -hmm. And I got with them and they were like, oh yeah, we started this company building trucks, giving them away for free. And all they have to do is like buy a sweatshirt from us. And every dollar they spend with us, they get one entry in to win the truck. And wasn't that like they, they had sold like a million T-shirts so in a our month? First, yeah, so our first giveaway, uh, Heavy D and Diesel Dave came up with this like, uh, hey, we're on Facebook when Facebook first came up and we started a page called Diesel Trucks for Sale. It's still on Facebook. And it essentially connected the whole entire United States with <coughs> diesel trucks. Were you kind of the first of that kind at the oh, time? We were the absolute for first. Yeah. I, I put that on. I will fight that with anybody. We were the very first company to do the giveaway model in all of the world. Mm -hmm. So we came and we said, hey, we can make money off of social media. Everybody thought we were full of shit. We would go around and go to companies and say, hey, let me... Let me show you that if you advertise with us on social media, we'll make you money. Everybody's like, fuck you. We do we do ads. Yeah. We do billboards. You're We're an like, idiot. No, dude. Social no media cares. is the right. Yeah, everybody's like, we don't believe you. So yeah. we said, well, let's just do it ourselves. I know how that tastes. Buddy. Yeah. So we said, let's do it ourselves. And uh, and then the first truck giveaway, it was a $70,000 Dodge Ram, 2013 Dodge Ram. Bef you know, it was 2012. Yeah. Uh, built it. 70 grand in and we were like hey man we're gonna give these away and uh and the worst part is you can enter for free to make it non-gambling you had to allow people to enter for free so we do this first giveaway 70 grand in we have a bracelet or a, a rubber band that says diesel power we got some shirts and some sweaters that's it and we just tell people every dollar you spend you get one entry was it Diesel Brothers at the time? No, it was the never name? Diesel Brothers. That was from Discovery Channel. We were called Diesel Sellers at the time because that was our, mm -hmm. our Facebook and our, our website. And so the first giveaway pops off. Diesel Dave and Heavy D in their garage are fucking packing sweatshirts and rubber bands. Sold $600,000 worth of apparel in two months. It was like... Oh shit! Yeah, that this... truck, that that seventy-five thousand dollars truck netted me money. Yeah, and then we were like, "Holy shit, dude, we should do this." And then we realized, and this is where I came in: the more stupid and crazy shit we did on social media, more the more people came and followed us. So then we started doing YouTube shit and everything we could to get us to the actual Facebook page to grow. We knew every time it grew, we we made more money. So we did that for a whole year. Uh, we did, I think we did like three giveaways the first year. There's and a bunch of those now, like NJ, everybody, NJ Trucking. Yeah, dude, everybody does it. It doesn't work anymore. I'll be the yeah. first to tell you, giveaway models don't work anymore. The yeah. market has been saturated. People have fucked it all up. But we we did a, a, a YouTube clip where we had one of our buddies was taking a shit and we put the exhaust of the truck into the bathroom while he was shitting and filled the whole thing with black smoke. And it went way viral, like 10 million views overnight. Jay Leno saw it. And he was like, hey, I want you guys out on the show. So went out to the show. Uh, Diesel Dave did a little skit with Jay Leno. And that's where Discovery Channel saw us. And they were like, these guys are cool. We should, you know, we They're should do fun. something. Yeah. And by then, dude, I had 100,000 followers on Facebook. And we had 600,000 in our, in our Facebook page. Um, and we told them no. We we're like, no, nah, we don't want to do it with you. Um, and it took them about a year to actually get with us to the place where we were like, yeah, I guess we'll do it. And in the interim of that, 
I had taken my business, my MoFit essentially, and was crushing it. I had bought the gym. I was essentially cash flowing the gym. And then at the end of that, my partner is like starting to stifle money. And I didn't know. I should have put it in the contract. Completely my fault. I should have been like, hey, bro, whatever's owed from this point back is not owed anymore. Everybody hates lawyers, but you need to have good lawyers. Absolutely, dude. And I have a really good one for that purpose. So I left. I walked in one day and I was like, I'm fucking done, dude. I'm not doing this shit no more with you. Take your fucking gym back. You can have everything back. And he he thought I was bluffing. He's like, you're 22. You're not walking away from 250,000, you know. I said, no, I'm done, man. I'm not doing this shit no more. So I left. And I uh, we started filming the show. And I went and got my teeth cleaned. And the uh, the dentist was, uh, I, 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 went, I go into the dentist like once every 10 years. Mm-hmm. I go in, I've been paying dental insurance. My teeth are great. No cavities, no nothing. I leave and they're like, hey, it's 300 bucks. I was like, 300 bucks? You didn't do anything and I've been paying dental insurance. So he's like, yeah, that's the way it works. And I'm like, no, not anymore. I got a better plan for you. You come work for me and I'll do a dental office and we'll do it strictly no insurance and people just pay us month to month on what they need done. He's like, all right, this this dentist. He, he, he's he probably said, making four or five hundred k. He said yes right away. He's like, yeah, that sounds. You didn't great. have to sell him. He in just it. bet on me. He's just like, I don't know. This guy sounds like he knows what he's talking about. I didn't know what the fuck I was talking about. I've never even been to the dentist in yeah. the last eight years. He just owned it. So I just said, listen, man, give me uh, give me a year. I'll make you the I'll make you the most successful dentist. You don't do anything but dentistry. Let yeah. me do the business. Just punch in. Yeah. So I did that, um, and then uh, shit. Within three months, my first wife wanted to get a boob job. Went into the doctor, got the whole thing, and I'm sitting in the thing with the doctor, and I'm like, hey, you know what? I think I could fucking do this. He's like, oh, you can't do this. You're not a doctor. I was like, no, 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 I think I could do it. You give me one year, and I'll have more clients walk through this door than you've ever seen. And I did it with my brothers. Um, I got got three brothers. All of them are younger. And I was like, listen, we're just going to start doing this model everywhere. I'm going to walk into places and I'm just going to say, listen, I'll fucking run this business better than you. You're a doctor, be a doctor. You're a dentist, be a dentist. You're a chiropractor, be a chiropractor. Let me run this motherfucker. Yeah, you're not a business owner. Yeah. Um, so I started a plastic surgery clinic. So now I'm like starting a dental office. I'm starting a plastic surgery clinic. The show's starting to pick up. And, uh, you know, the show came out and the show was really, really successful. We were the number one show. We still have the record for the most watched premiere show on Discovery, which is a big deal because Discovery is the biggest channel ever. I was watching that episode the other night with that whole like... The spin thing? Yeah, whatever you had yeah. going on. We do dangerous. Yeah, we do cool shit. But anyway, so from that point in my life, we started to become famous. Uh, I started to open up businesses. I started to do things and I realized I could do and get anything that I wanted by just setting up structure in a different way than what most people are used to. Explain that a little bit more. It's all about structuring deals, Mm -hmm. right? Like if I'm a normal dentist, and I I heard this a ton, the dental dental route is go to dental school and then go work for a dentist, and then as soon as you get working with him and he gets tired, you buy his practice from him. That's the way dentistry works. Sounds horrible. Horrible. But I was like, nah, man, maybe I'll just step in and say this is how I want to do it. Who wants to try it with me? And, and, and in the interim of all of that, my, uh, my dentist, my plastic surgeon, like they all saw more clients than they've ever seen in their life. Every single month, month after month. Um, and it, it started to work and become really successful. And then I got so consumed with, with filming that I was like, to my brothers, I was like, hey, we gotta, 
we got to buy out all. I don't have time to do this shit anymore. Mm. So I started to focus on the show a little bit more, and then I still wanted to do businesses. So I started my supplement company, which I still own. One of the only yeah, companies. Yeah, let's talk about it a little bit because I love I America and I love the soldiers. Yeah, so uh, I started a company called One Mission Nutrition, and I thought to myself, I'm not in the military, but fuck, I love the military, and, and I really, really want to support these dudes. That's a nice camo fireside. Uh, yeah, you, you like that? There? That's nice. Um, and. Uh, and so I, I, I called my brother-in-law, who was a military, play, military police in Afghanistan. I was like, bro, what do you do? How can I help you? He goes, bro, we wake up, we eat, we work out, and then we go fight. Like, that's what we do here. We don't do anything else, or we're napping. And I said, okay, so I can't really do much, but I could probably help with supplements. I could probably give you something. He's like, yeah, dude, all of our guys buy supplements and it takes forever to get here. It's expensive as shit because, you know, they're overseas. Yeah. And I was like, all right, let me uh, let me put some ideas together. So we started One Mission Nutrition and it was as simple as this. You buy from me. I send the same thing over to them. So I give free supplements to the military. That's how we started the entire company. It was as simple as whatever you buy from me, I'm going to send to them and I'm going to do it as long as you buy supplements from me. And that company is still open, right? Still open and still rocking and kicking ass. Still sending stuff over to the soldiers? Yeah, we do it a little bit different now. Um, It was so chaotic in the beginning because I didn't know what I was doing. I'm like, I don't know, who do we ship it to? I was just shipping pallets to sergeants and being like, dude, pass this out. I'd ship it to a, a, a ship, pass it out to all the sailors. You know, I'd ship it everywhere and just be like, hey, can you just get it out? So I'm going to cut you off there. Doing something that you don't know what you're doing. I think that's where a lot of people run into problems, right? Yeah. You're looking to leave corporate America or you're looking to start a business. You're looking to launch a product. Like people are so afraid to just, you know, take action. Like just take action, put one foot in front of the other. Chris Ager, shout out to Chris Ager. Earlier he was like, hey, man, you see all these guys with big eyes and they monetize the eyes. You started with one eye. You started with this podcast with just one episode and we didn't know what we were doing. Myself, Evan, the whole team, we had no idea what we were doing. And now I have a guy like you with a ton of eyes on you sitting in my backyard, hanging out like a regular dude. You just need to take action. Yeah. Whether you have it all figured out or not, stagnation is is the root of all evil when it comes yeah. to actually wanting to be successful in business. The biggest thing that I see for most people is is analysis paralysis, where they analyze the fuck out of their lives until they die. Like, I'm just going to keep analyzing until I fucking die. And I, if I could give anybody advice to change that, it would literally be the exact opposite. Just fucking go, man, and figure that shit out Your as you Peterson go. Your boy Peterson says it. Jordan yeah. says it. He's always like, Dude, Just go. Stop. Like, you don't need to have the perfect model. You need to no. have the perfect deal, the perfect product. Just do it. And there is no perfect model. Yeah. There is no perfect solution. It's a constant solution. evolution. And, and if you walk into something saying, I'm just going to roll with the punches and change and grow and progress... There's nothing that you can't really do. And, and the problem is for with, with most people is, is they get they look at this mountain in front of them. And they're like, oh, man, to start a business or to do something. Look at that fucking mountain. But the mountain takes one step at a time. Why not start taking the fucking yeah, steps? Just start climbing And the then ladder. figure it out. And maybe you took the long way, but you still fucking got there. And that's what I did, dude. Even today, man, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing half of the time. 
but I just keep doing shit. Yeah. And at some point, I'm going to own Utah, and I'm going to own the United States, and I'm going to fucking own the world because I will keep fucking going until I'm done breathing. And I won't know, even then, I won't know what the fuck I did to even get there. I just know that I'm going to keep going until I get what I want, which every day and every month that changes. Hey, I want a helicopter. I don't know how the fuck I'm going to get a helicopter. I don't have a license. But you're sure as fuck I have a helicopter in my front yard. You just do I things. I better go for a ride in January. You will. We'll, we'll, do rides, uh, we'll do rides when you guys come out. But, but that's kind of the thing, dude. And that's the whole premise of my life, I think, is you start looking at life a little bit differently when you, when you analyze everybody and you realize that everybody doesn't know what the fuck they're doing and everybody just sits around until they hope that they find an answer. And there's never going to be an answer. I make tons of money. I could have retired at 30. I have no fucking answers, man. I just know that you got to keep going and doing things other than just sit there and analyze until you decide. So I'm going to bring you back to the show. Yeah. So the show, automatically, Discovery, the media, as we watch what has gone on over the last 10 years, politically, everything, the media controls a lot, right? Shows, news outlets, podcasts. You were able to take these eyes that were on the show and continue to monetize them. Talk about wanting to have the beautiful, sick home that you have, the heli right out front on your front lawn. You know, you know for people who don't know, you need to go follow Keaton. He's the muscle. He's the muscle on the show. Like... One of the first pictures I saw on your Instagram was the Raptor parked in your fucking living room. Yeah. Like, dude, that's just to me saying, not that you're arrogant, but saying like, fuck you, I do what I want. Yeah. And recently you did another story where, or a post even, where you had your heli going, it just snowed, all the roads were blocked up to where you were, you were at 10,000 feet and you're like, you know why I got a helicopter for you fucking people who don't understand? And you didn't say it this way. You said yeah. it nice, but I, I knew what you meant. Yeah. For you people who are fucking hate on me, I got a helicopter because I want to do what the fuck I want to do with my wife and with my four daughters, and that's how I want to live. If you're mad at that, that's your problem. Yeah. Well, and, and dude, that's, like, that's what life is about, is about being and having the freedom that you want to do whatever the fuck you want to do. At, at the end of the day, you want to be happy, then you got to chase whatever it is the fuck that you yeah. want to do. Whatever it is. Yeah, and, and everybody's all over the place. Mine is, I want a cool house on the mountain. I want a beautiful wife. I want beautiful children. I want them to have everything that they want. I never want to be in a place where I'm like, hey, man, I can't afford that. I can't do that. Uh, the government doesn't let me do that. I just say, fuck you, dude. I'll figure it out. I'll figure out some way because that's what I want to do and no one is going to make the decision for me and, but you're also super charitable talking about the heli when you were coming out here i saw in your story your boys were taking your helicopter yeah. to go find a kid that went missing talk yeah. about that real quick well it goes back to what we talked about in the very beginning is like man i think you're a piece of shit if you start to make it in life and you don't look around and see who you can help i just do and for me the reason i want to be more successful than i am today is because i want to I want to pay for everything for my mom. I want to take care of my children. I want to take care of my children's children. I want to do everything. I want to be the fucking person that changes everybody's life. And anytime I have the opportunity to do it, I'll do it. So, uh, I don't know, three or four days ago, a, a high school kid wrote, I think he wrote a suicide note to his parents and then he disappeared. So of course his parents are flipping out. Everybody in Utah is like, well, we got to find this kid. I think his name was Nate. And I got tons of messages. And everybody's like, can you please just go up in your helicopter and look for him? Well, I was on my on the way out here Come to fly to out. Us, yeah, yeah, so I was like, I'll tell you what, I can't because I'm I'm leaving. But I can give you my resources. So I called my pilot and I said, hey man, take the heli take one of my buddies and just fly that bitch around until we covered all the land. Because you, 
You can't hide that well from a helicopter. So if he's out there somewhere, which they believe that he was, they thought maybe he went to the wilderness and killed himself or maybe he's just lost. You know, they didn't know. I said, we'll go find him. So I told the guys, I said, grab the helicopter, go, uh, go see if you can find him. And they, I think they spent like four hours looking for him. And that's on your dime. That's too. on my dime. Four hours, an hour in a helicopter is about 1300 bucks. Yeah. That's what it costs me. It's a lot of money. You know? Um, Plus and, the pilot. Yeah. So, but I was like, go do it, man. They never ended up finding him, but they did find him out. I think literally an hour after they landed the helicopter, he had drove to California. So they found the kid. But Alive. Yeah, he was alive. Awesome. Yeah, surprisingly. Um, I don't know what the whole situation was, but uh, it's shit like that that makes me want, that gives me the push to do more, be more, have more. Give I, more. Yeah, give more. Dude, I'll tell you what. When I die, my fucking bank account's going to be negative 100. I want to die with no money. I want nothing, dude. I want to have experiences. I want my kids to have money. I want my friends to have money. I want people who are going to be living to have money. I don't want a fucking thing to my name. I want to have a ton of credit card debt and be fucking dead. That's it. You're going to own a big permanent life insurance policy. So uh, you're, yeah, you're I know. I, I, I'm on my way to that. <laughs> but the point is, it's like my own. I, to me, I don't, well, you know, we were talking about it earlier. Like, I don't want to be Warren Buffett. Yeah. I don't want to be a dickhead that does nothing, has Guy's nothing, but, but has $70 billion. What the fuck are you doing, yeah, man? Boring. That's the stupidest shit I've ever heard in my life. You got all these cool shit you can do in your lifetime, and your goal is to just stack chips? That's stupid. So uh, that's that's what I want to do, man. And that's why I make the money, because all I want to do now, especially like right now in front of me, I'm going to retire my mom. And it's going to probably cost me $3 million you know, to retire her, get her in a house, say, hey, here's your bank account, here's your car, here's your house. Like You can do whatever you want to do that's my next goal and, and i want to talk about your truck company and then go into limitless a little bit more from a yeah. business perspective the mechanics of it your truck company obviously you're building sick shit you have some great yeah. guys that work underneath you i i take it as you're the visionary of the truck it's the andy fischels of the world it's it's the big names coming in and saying hey keaton because your notoriety because of the supply and demand i want you to build my truck and it's probably much more expensive than you would get off the street from the local builder right? yeah 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 um, talk about that business a little bit, you know, maybe the revs you do and yeah, what you, so how you have that set up. The, uh, the, one of the things that I do that I've always done, that's always made me good money is I build stuff for people. Um, whatever that is, you want a, a 67 Camaro, you want a brand new truck, you want anything that you can possibly imagine I can build. So essentially I just say, listen, I'll, I'll build you whatever you want, but you got to have the budget for it. And I don't take on $20,000 builds. You, you, it's got to be 50, 60, $70,000 that you're willing to put. And I'll, I'll build you some cool shit. So I did that or I've done that and I've done it year after year. I do anywhere from 10 to 20 builds a year. And it's something that I really, really like to do. Um, and it, it makes me great money because I get to essentially say to them, yeah, dude, you want to go do that shit at the local at the local shop? It's 40 grand there. You want to do it with me, dude? It's going to be 80 grand. I'll just tell you that right now. But they're not going to build something aesthetically as good as I will build something. Why do you think I, you're so good at it? Uh, just because I've built everything and I know what looks good and what doesn't look good. And so I don't works. get to the end of a project and go, fuck, I should have done different wheels. Ah, I should have done different paint. I should have done different lights. I don't do that because I've already done all that on my own shit that I know what's going to look really, really good. The only time I have a build come out that I don't like is when I listen to the customer tell me what they want. And then it's like, all right, man, if that's what you want, fuck it. You, I think it looks like shit. But do you, you like that 450 dually or is it, should I be parked in my driveway? Which one? Your truck. You my black in? one? Oh, I love it. 
Love it. It's a sick truck. It's a it's a great truck. So so you know I do that. I have a shop in uh, in Salt Lake. And what are your uh, other businesses you still own currently? Um, so I've got one Mission Nutrition. Um, I've got a company called Rise Academy where we essentially take any person and say, listen, let me make this as simple as possible. I will hand you over a turnkey business that makes money. You just have to let me run it and I'm going to take some of that money. Plain and simple. So kind of like a, like a startup fund. Uh, no, like actual businesses. I think we have eight businesses that you can pick from and you can say, Hey man, I want an Amazon store, you know, an Amazon store. Who is that funded by? Who's it ran by? By the person buying the, the, the business. So like, for example, I'm saying who's running those eight businesses. Oh, my my company. I have a company of shit. We've got rises. I think there's eight employees in rise. Um, I can just come to people and say, hey, you don't have a business. You have a little bit of cash. Here's what it's going to cost. Let's get you a business that gets you passive income. For example, the Amazon stores, right? You come to me and you say, hey, man, I want an Amazon store. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. I don't know how to do it, but I want to make money. You give me 25 grand. We get your Amazon store up and running. You get your credit card. You start buying the shit on Amazon. You don't know what you're doing, and then you crash. You come to me and I do it and we do it the right way, all of a sudden you start making five to 10 grand a month of passive income and you don't do anything And what are your percentages of ownership on that? I always do a 50-50 with that. Um, And every business is different. That's still generous. Yeah, I feel like, dude, you come to me and give me 25 grand and I give you five grand a month in passive income for the rest of your life, I feel like that's not a bad deal. Again, you're monetizing your eyes still. Yeah, yeah. And and I'm monetizing out of limitless society because I want their success and if I'm going to help them, we're going to get to that. I want to make I want to make some money with it. So that's one of the companies that I own. Um, I own Limitless Society, which we'll talk about, One Mission Nutrition. Um, I own a TRT hormone replacement company. Yeah, I need to get out to that. Um, I own a fitness expo called Fitcon. Um, where we just had a big event, right? Yeah, you guys yeah we, do, we do three big fitness expos, one in Utah, one in... I'm still confused. It seems like you guys are doing a lot of tequila shots there. You guys we are definitely healthy. were doing a lot of tequila. <laughs> if there's one thing I know about fitness influencers, it's yeah. that they are they not like as healthy. <laughs> They're not as healthy as They're they portray. They're all wild animals. They're all wild as shit. They eat like shit That's and they right. drink like Good a people. motherfucker. Yeah. Um, so I do that. Um my build company in, in, in Salt Lake. You do some flips. You do some hard I money just started all, I doing some house flips. Yeah, my first uh, my first real estate deals. I do hard money loans, um, which has seemed to be really profitable up Talk until. Talk about the model of that a little bit. Who's who's taking the money the most? <sighs> business owners or real estate? Always business owners. Got a little um, ash on you, by the I, way. I do have. Uh, I get it. Yeah. I do have some uh, some people that aren't in business that want to do a real estate deal or something, but my money's expensive, so I'm always last option, but I'm always an option. Mm-hmm. Um, hard money loans is not a thing I, I advise people to yeah. do. It's definitely a risky business. Unless you're in a spot where you can afford to get your ass kicked, yeah. right? Like if I hand over a hundred grand and I tell you, you owe me 110 in two weeks, that's not a great position to be in for either party. But most of the time, people pay it back. I, I, I maybe have 10% that go delinquent in that. Um, but it's it's very lucrative to be the bank. I How do you track people, all that? Do you have people to help you with the back-end systems of it? No, I just track it. I don't do enough that it's crazy. I only maybe do two to three hard money loans a month. Um, like right now, I was just on the phone with my brother. I did a I did a $60,000 loan. I said, pay me back 65 in 12 days. Um, 
and it's it's actually been a little bit of a nightmare. He did pay me back the principal, but he doesn't hasn't paid me interest, so we got to figure your money it out. Back. Yeah, yeah. Um, I do that, and then yeah, and then and then limitless. And in limitless society, I've got kind of two pieces there: the coaching where I coach. Oh, we're, we're getting ahead. So I want to talk about you being friends, and we'll give Sean a little plug in the Lions Den. Sean Whalen, he owns Lions Not Cheap. He and and some other people, Rob Bailey, your good friend who mm-hmm. does music and coaching and a bunch of other things himself, said, Keaton, why don't you have a coaching group? Because you didn't have it yet. No. This is four months old. Yeah, I, I just started my coaching group four months ago. Um, I watched Sean come up. I've known Sean for 10 years. Um, Rob Bailey's been one of my best friends for, fuck, it's probably been five years now. Um, and about two years ago, Sean said to Rob, Hey man, why aren't you a coach? You got to be a coach. And Rob was like, ah, I just don't think so. And he's like, bro, you, you are an artist. You do music. You have five business. You're a bodybuilder. Like, he's like, you do you're a fucking pilot. Why would you not coach people on what to do in life? And Rob was like, ah, I guess, I guess you're right. So Rob started a group, um, and became really successful in it. And talk about that. So a lot of people, right. There's a lot of coaches out there on uh, social media, right. And we all lot. know some are good, some are bad, but yeah. When you have some type of expertise, right? When you have some type of confidence in yourself and the ability and the want to give that back, turning around, helping that next guy up the ladder, yeah. right? Talk about why that is something that you can monetize and also fills your tank. You know, I'll, I'll give you two answers to that. Number one, um, there is a lot of coaches and there's a lot of bullshit out there. Yeah, um, and I will tell people this, like if your coach made his money in life off of your program that he's preaching to you. Yeah, he did nothing. He's a fucking crook, man. And I'll say that to his face. I don't give a fuck who it is. If, if, if you've had a program for 30 years and your program is to make people rich and you're getting rich off of your program, that doesn't make any fucking sense. But unless, you never did anything Unless yourself. you're teaching them how to scam people and become a coach, mm. that doesn't make any sense. And that's how I felt for a long time. That's why I never yeah. started a group. You felt like a fraud. Yeah, dude. Like, fuck. You're going to tell me this is your coach? What does he do? Well, he's the coach of 15 people. Okay, what does he do? Yeah. Well, he, he coaches. He's been coaching for five years. Okay, well, how many businesses yeah. does he have? What was his back business? Where did he start? How much money did he put in? Where was he before? Mm-hmm. And most people don't have an answer for you. I mean, mm-hmm. dude, it's like the fucking fat personal trainer. Mm-hmm. You're like, wait, hold on. You're going to get tell me how to get in shape, and so you're you a fat piece of shit? Don't no go good. into personal training, bro. I can sell one mission nutrition, though. Yeah, just don't go into personal training. Because then I'm going to say the same thing to you. But, dude, that's what people do. That's what the coaching program is. And that's the one of the reasons I didn't want to get in. Because I was like, fuck, man, don't put me in the fucking, in the center with the guru that hasn't made shit until he became what a coach. What I can say to you is I've had a ton of coaches in my industry, finance, which is where I came up, where I met and worked with hundreds of business owners, which made me so passionate about helping young business owners. Yeah. Because I'm not the guy that's going to sit here and say, Oh, I, I make four million dollars a year. I don't. Yeah. But let's just say I make five hundred grand a year, and you're making fifty. I you can help can, you make one fifty. Sure. I can well, help you make two fifty. Dude, I think the cool thing about you that I think should be noted for the people that listen to the podcast and the people around you is like, dude, you want to see someone who genuinely wants to make a difference? Watch them make a difference for free, mm-hmm. and, and you're not charging people. You know. Depends. And dude, I I think that's fucking cool as shit. And the and the truth is, and this is what got me into coaching all the way. I did this already. I did it for many years. I helped a lot of my friends yeah, and for family free. for free. I know. And I showed up for free and I supported for free. I gave money for That's free. I did all of these things and I was like, fuck, man, I'm already doing it. 
And I have people message me all day. How did you do this? How are you 35 and you have all these things and you built all this shit? Well, let me show you. And that's when I finally stepped back and I was like, yeah, you know what? I probably should. What was the conversation that put you over the edge to launch? So, so Rob Bailey and Sean Whalen and I were all good friends. We have a house in Cabo. Um, and we were down there. We go down there like <sighs> once a month now. My favorite place to go, Cabo, Mexico. Um, we're down there and we're smoking cigars and, and hanging out and Sean and Rob are talking about their groups and Sean's like, bro, wh- wh- yeah, when are you, are you going to do this? What? And same thing. I'm like, I don't know, man. And you probably had more eyes than both of them. Oh yeah. You. Way more, way more. I have more followers. Um, and I was like, I don't know, man. I don't know. Fuck yeah, it's it. It's weird. Yeah. It just Ugh. seems weird, man. Yeah. It's just weird. I've been to, and I had been speaking at Rob's and Sean's events. Like yeah. they would call me, Hey man, will you come speak? And so I, I literally, dude, I, I was like, all right, you know what? I really do want to make a difference. I want to make 10 people a millionaire this year. Mm-hmm. And I kept saying that out loud. I told my wife that. I told some of my friends. They're like, oh, harder or whatever. Um, and I was like, no, I really am. And then I got super focused on that goal. I was like, no, I'm going to make 10 people a millionaire this year. So when did you launch it? Four months ago, right? Yeah, four months ago. So I said it to Sean. While we were in Cabo, I'm like, bro, I'm going to make 10 people a millionaire. He's like, cool, bro. When are you going to start your fucking program? And I was like, I don't know. I guess that should be the start of my program is that I should just tell people I'm, I got to make millionaires, you know? So I did that and I launched the program and dude, overnight, like I just, it just blew up. And I was like, oh shit, this is a real thing. I really got to start putting my time and energy yeah, let into. Let me level up, level up, level up. Yeah, yeah. And dude, I started to see hundreds of people get signed up into my program thinking that they wanted what I have and they want me to show them how to get it. And what's Limitless Society cost for those people that may be, may be I, watching? Yeah, so I charge two ninety seven a month. Um, Which is a great deal, by the way. I'm in there and yeah. I see what goes on. I feel on. like it's a good deal, dude. Like if you don't have 300 bucks to put into yourself. Can I say something to you? What? So for those of you who don't know, I hired Keaton as one-on-one coaching, which is, you know, $3,000 a month. And I did that because I've been in many coaching groups. And I said, I need to go to the head of the snake this time. I can't just, like, be in the weeds. Like, I already figured a lot of this out. And on our first call, you actually said to me, dude, you're, you're, you're head and shoulders above a lot of people in this group. Like, maybe the group calls don't coach you, uh, don't help you. Uh, I disagree, man. Your, your, your last three group calls that I was in impacted me here good and one of the first calls that keaton and i had one-on-one i was like ready like if everybody who knows me i'm a i'm an efficient motherfucker you may think i'm stupid i'm dialed in i know what i'm doing i had my business numbers laid out i had what i want to do and keaton gets in his truck and he's like how's your marriage i'm like (laughs) i think it's pretty good like where are we going with this and you know everything you do and and to tell that story quick you were like, hey, if you could 10% increase your marriage, and I have a beautiful marriage, my wife is awesome. She deals with me way more than I deal with her. <laughs> she's she's the, the best out there. You said if you can 10% increase your marriage, you could 10X your business and every other aspects of your life. And as I watched every one of your group calls, everything came from the heart. Yeah. From like an empathetic position and from the heart. And your group calls do a lot more then maybe you even give it credit to. Because yeah. at first you hopped on the phone call with me, not knowing me. I said, ah, maybe you don't need the group calls. Yeah. Every one of your group calls have been phenomenal. I appreciate it, dude. I uh, 
I just, the, in the group calls, it's never like this, right? And so I never know how much value I, I add because there's not a lot of rhetoric back and forth. Yeah, you're trying to watch everybody. Yeah, I'm, hard trying on to, I'm trying to see, you know, and I can only see six or 10 faces at a, a time. sick office, by the way. But um, yeah, it, it's awesome. You'll see it when you come out. But dude, I just, I got to that point really fast and I realized life is really not that hard. I can make people successful fairly quickly. Um, and if that's really the case, then why wouldn't I fucking do it with everybody that I possibly can and offer, offer the, the program? And I've, and I've got a couple of my young guys in my group over to your group. And the one thing that I said to you in the beginning was, hey, you, Sean, Stuman, Ed Milet, all these guys that you have had hanging out in your living room for a VIP event, like at a, like we don't have to talk numbers, but a very inexpensive rate versus what other people charge. Yeah. Like, wow, this guy really wants to give back for the numbers he's charging. I had young guys come in, and instantly they have already benefited. Instantly yeah. they were like, dude, this is the shit. This is something I want to do. And and some of those guys, you know, honestly, I didn't believe they would. They stroked yeah. the check to come out to your event. Yeah, which is great, dude. And the events are awesome. But I, I, I have, I'm living and dying by a principle in the group. And it's the whole reason why, like, oh, I got all these businesses going on. The only fucking You got thing, abundance is what I'm saying. All I care about is one thing now, and it's limitless society and helping people to become successful. And that is so all-encompassing that most people don't realize. Dude, there's people in fucking Limitless wait make way more money than I do. Yeah, there's but some they successful are, people. They are there. sad motherfuckers. Yeah. And they're not in a place in their life where they should be. And I can show them how to get there because my life, I'm not the richest motherfucker in the world. But I promise you, I'm the most balanced motherfucker you will ever. My marriage is great. I'm a great father. I'm a great yeah. friend. Maddie's awesome. I'm, Shout out to Maddie. Yeah, my wife is unbelievable. Like, every aspect of my life is where I want it everything. I don't have any deep, dark secrets. I don't have this fucking crazy marriage. I'm not borrowing money. I'm not doing all like every aspect is just so great that I realized in the program, it's not just about making fucking money, dude. Because I know motherfuckers. But you could do that, both. Yeah, exactly. I know motherfuckers that are making billions of dollars that are pissed as shit and want to kill themselves because they're so out of whack that if they would have scaled back and focused on this and this and this, they would have made one billion and had the best fucking life in the world, yeah. but instead they got ten billion dollars and no one to fucking share let's it talk about that tony robbins conversation yeah that's a good one um so i i met with him uh I, it was a long time ago actually and i we were speaking at an event in texas and we were backstage and i just asked him i'm like i'm not the same person as the people out in the crowd what's your advice and he said listen you need to know the difference between 10 million dollars and 100 million dollars and how you chase and i thought what the fuck does that mean and he said listen if you shoot for a hundred million, you're gonna neglect a lot of things. If you make 10 million, your lifestyle will be the same as if you made the hundred million. The only real difference at that point in that kind of money is that I finance something or I buy it in cash. That's it, there's no other yeah. difference. But the lifestyle remains the same. And the whole world is made off of leverage. Yeah. So who cares? We so have $280 trillion debt load of central yeah. banks around the world. So the whole system is levered. Yeah, so, so he just said to me, don't ruin your fucking marriage. Don't be a dipshit as a father. Don't be a dipshit as a friend chasing the hundred million. Get the 10 million and then work on every aspect of every other piece of your life. I love that. And that's the, I was like, fuck, I guess you're right. And dude, I even said to him, I said, well, I can't buy the jet I want. He said, yeah, but you can lease it. 
Mm-hmm. I was like, I guess you're right. I want a sixty million dollar jet. I could lease a. a and you do charter a private jet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You want so that, so I realized I was like, dude, I, you're right. My lifestyle doesn't change, and if my lifestyle doesn't get any better with the money that I'm making, why not focus on every fucking thing that's important? Mm-hmm. And and after he said that to me, I did change a little bit. I was like, all right, dude, I, I'll you ch- make. You were chasing the wrong shit. I'll make a hundred million dollars for sure. I'll make more than that. Um, but. I will make it at a pace that doesn't uh, doesn't make me neglect my wife, my children. I got four daughters, my friends, my relationships, my health. I'm going to be good all across well, the board. To come out here, you know, again, I, I pay you a decent amount of money a month, but it's not a lot of money. Yeah. Like you, you, you know, if, if you were being real, your truck company probably alone made almost half a million dollars this month. Yeah. You know, what is my three thousand dollars? But you saw something in me and said, hey, I'm going to go out and do that dude's podcast. Go film out. Well, dude, and the truth is, is I'm fully vested and committed into your success right now for two reasons. Um, One, for me, the people in the group and their success means as much to me as it does to them. And I know people question that, but I'll fucking do anything. I just flew across the fucking country to do a podcast with you because I want to see this podcast take off. And I want to see it be successful. And I'm going to fucking push it on my social media and do all those things. And I told you, dude, if some random person says, hey, can you come be on my podcast? Yeah, it's 25 grand. You're going to pay me first class. You're going to put me in a nice hotel. You're going to pay for everything. I'm going to come and I'm going to do it. I'm going to fucking leave. But if you're in Limitless Society, it's completely different. If you're somebody that I'm coaching and my purpose is to make you successful and you bet on me, then I'm going to fucking do everything that I can. And And that's the biggest thing, to change their fucking life. So then I got to do whatever I have to do to make sure that they get a reward on that bet. And a lot of guys with your notoriety, with your types of followers on social media, so anybody who sleeps on social media is stupid. And if you work for any type of entity that limits your ability to use social media, in my eyes, is, is dumb. Stupid. And and you came out here today, you came out Wednesday night, you came off a plane, with a hoodie, your wife was in workout gear, <laughs> and you guys rolled into Charlie's at Bayhead, shout out to Charlie's. You know, you came and did dinner and acted like we've known each other forever. Yeah. And that was special to me, man. And, and you kind of felt, if we're being real on camera, you kind of felt like this dude Ryan's sniffing me out. Like he's <laughs> trying to figure me out, right? That's just my my natural instinct. Well, dude, I, I feel like that. I mean, not any hit against you, but I feel like that with everybody. Everywhere I go, I feel like everybody wants to sniff me out because I got money, I have some fame, I have like some credentials. And the first thing that I realize in that whole little sphere is when you're somebody People are always like, uh, is he a dickhead or is he a cool guy? Is, is he, he a, a good jackass? Guy? Yeah. And dude, we get it a lot. And and you know, one of my one of my other guys on the show, I know that when people meet him, they're like, uh, I don't necessarily like that guy. I thought he was cool as shit. He's not. And I didn't ever want to be that guy. When I was 16, I met my uh, my hero. His name was Ronnie Coleman. He was Mr. Olympia yeah. for eight years. Machine. Yeah. Just a fucking to this day, no one's looked better than Ronnie. And I just got in the bodybuilding scene and I was doing all these things and I worked at this supplement company and I was bringing him in, went to this house party. And dude, I look back now and I'm like, you're a bodybuilder? Who gives a fuck about bodybuilders? I look back now, right? But then I was like, he's the pinnacle, he's the best, you know? You were in that space. So we go, we go to the house. I want to sit down with him. Like in this little, you know, area, there was probably 20 people there. I'm like, dude, I just, and I was really respectful. I said, hey, I just wanted to tell you, I look up to you. Like, I I love everything you you do. I appreciate that you came out to Utah. And he looked at me and he was like, huh. I remember, he's like, huh. And I was like, that was weird. Okay, whatever. Um, And I said, can I get you something to eat? 
He was like, no, I don't, I don't want anything to eat. So we're all down in this basement and you know, everybody's there. There's a few other celebrity bodybuilders there. And, uh, uh, he walks upstairs. Everybody's still down there. And it was like, where's Ronnie at? So I walk upstairs and he's upstairs in the corner in a chair eating his food. And I was like, I probably doesn't want to be bugged. Um, so I just said, Hey Ronnie, can I get you anything? And he looked at me and goes, bro, can't you see that I'm eating? Let me fucking eat. Yeah. Fuck that guy. Yeah. And from that point, I didn't take a picture with him. I didn't, I want nothing to do with that motherfucker. Now here's the best part. That motherfucker likes my show. He messaged me about two years ago. Yeah. He wants to be your friend now. He wants to be my friend. Now I'm best friends with everybody in the bodybuilding. Like my best friend is Flex Lewis, who's Mr. Seven Time. He was on your, your he was on, he's coming to the, he's coming to the event. I'm best friends with Jay Cutler, who I think was a much better bodybuilder than Ronnie Coleman. Like he'll text me and say, Hey man, how are you doing? I'm checking in on you. I'm best friends with Dana Lynn Bailey. She's the best bodybuilder, female bodybuilder ever. So I got all this notoriety, all these friends. Ronnie Coleman messages me, hey, man, I'm a huge yeah, fan of yeah, your show. Fuck you. He said, would you come out and do a, a, an event with me at my, at my uh, gym? Didn't even send him a reply back. That motherfucker ruined everything for me. But he put me in a position to know now where I want to be when I go to places. And you show up. Yeah, I don't want to fucking be that guy. I want to be the guy that everybody's like, dude, that guy was cool as shit. I don't, yeah, I don't know how much money he has. I don't know what the fuck he does. I know that all my friends in this yard right now, there's, there's, a, there's a good 10 of us all think that you're just like us. Yeah, and I am. And that's the, everybody's just like everybody. Nobody's fucking better than anybody else. Doesn't matter how much money I have. Put your or, pants on or, the same way. Yeah, line. dude. But I, I realized that day at 16... And I didn't know I would ever be famous or have money. I was like, dude, I'm never going to be that motherfucker. I never, ever, ever want to be the dude that shows up and is like, oh, I have a TV show. I'm cooler than you. I have money. And not to be crazy into the God thing, do you attribute that back to believing in God and in your Mormon faith? I, I attribute everything back to that core belief of God and family um, and, and the beliefs that I was raised yeah, a lot with. Of that, a, lot of shit, a lot of people get like, oh, that's gay. That's yeah, yeah. weird. Especially because what's pushed in today's society, media, but I, I think God's pretty cool. I mean, Dude, pretty powerful guy. and I, I'm the person, like, a lot of people say I don't really give a fuck what people think, but I really don't give a fuck what people think. I'm Mormon, and I'm smoking a cigar. I'm Mormon, is and I Is that illegal in your faith? No, absolutely not. But the point is, is that I believe that there's more important things in this world than being real strict this or being real one way this. And if there's nothing else underlining in my life that people take, it's that that motherfucker's balanced as shit. He believes in God. He's crazy for family. But when you party with that motherfucker, it's the funnest party you've ever had in yeah, your you life. you didn't drink today. But, I, I, you know, I didn't. I, I When stopped. you come back in the summer, we're on the boat. Yeah, well, it'll be at different. At Tyson's Shoal, you're going to be It'll be, be different. Right. And you'll have the fucking time of your life, I promise. But that's how I want to be. And that's what I want people. To, I'm going to die one day, man. I'm going to die one day. And when I fucking die or when I sit on my deathbed, all I will have left is memories of the things that I did and people that I spent time with that I created and I impacted and that will be like, man, I fucking had good memories with that dude. That's all that matters because the rest of it doesn't matter. Listen, you're going to New York City tonight with your wife. You're going to love that. That's an awesome city. It has, you know, walked backwards the last five, six years, but you're going to have fun. I want to keep you all night. I like to end this with two questions usually. Um, since you're a guy from Salt Lake and you're yeah. now on the East Coast over here in Jersey, um, I usually like to ask what local business owners you want to give a shout out to. So because you're so big in the social media space, 
give two business owners that you want to give a shout out. Coaches, business owners, whoever it may On be. On the East Coast? Whoever, wherever. Oh. Um, shout outs. Fuck. Now I... I know. There's I never so many. think about my... Yeah, there's so many. I don't know. I know you love Ed, Ed Milet. I do love Ed, dude. I If I gave somebody a shout out, it would definitely be Ed. Cause he doesn't a, need it, though. No, he doesn't fucking need it. But, man, that dude is just real and a good motherfucker. Get out to your living room event. Chris Egger. Yeah. Yeah, like, uh, I, I, well, I'll tell these guys. If you guys want to make a change, a real lifestyle change, like, I would show the fuck up to my event. Whether you want to be in Limitless or not, <clears throat> completely up to you. You want to change your life, you should probably join. But if you want to have a lifestyle change in one night, come to my living room with Ed Milet, Brad Lee, Rob Bailey, myself, Sean Whalen. Sit the fuck down on the couch with those dudes for four hours and do this. That, that shit will change your absolute life. It did mine, and I'm, I'm doing well. And listening to Ed in my living room a month ago or two months ago when we had our event... That shit was unreal. But How many I, yeah. members do you have in Limitless now? I don't know. Let's say a thousand, right? Yeah, a thousand between so, seven hundred and a thousand. We don't have to get into it, but just do a thousand bucks at three hundred bucks a month. It's done well for him. Yeah. The last question I like to ask is: if you were talking to any young girl or guy, I, it could be a meme thing that you've you know stuck in your brain. It could be a saying that you've lived with, lived by your whole life. Some old guy taught you, or your mother taught you. If you could tell a young business owner coming up, like, who wants to fucking win, what is the one thing you would tell them? Uh, that's a good question. Um, and this is what I would, this is what I would say. And, and it's why I, I named the group Limitless Society. So I believe in God, wholeheartedly believe in God. I believe that God is perfect and has the ability to do anything. I also believe that we are his children. I believe I'm literally his son. If that is the case, then I too have the ability to become like him, which like means God. I have the ability to do anything that I want to fucking do, anything. If that's really the case, if I really believe that, then that means everybody else who is his children have the ability to do whatever the fuck they want to do. So when I talk to my younger self or I talk to somebody who's younger, who's getting into life, it would be nothing but this intent of, if you can just open up your eyes to the reality that you can do anything you want, anything, and just begin to actually understand that principle, you'll do whatever the fuck you want to do. And I always go back to this principle. In the 1800s, some motherfucker was sitting around smoking a cigar, drinking whiskey with his buddies, and he said, I want to fly in the air like that bird. And every one of those motherfuckers was like, you're stupid as fuck. Yeah, Get the fuck idiot. out of our party. And guess what? We fly like birds in the air every day. So if that really happened, then that can happen again and again and again. So if you see something and, and actually can comprehend something, chase fucking chase that bitch until you die. Yeah. Because I guarantee you, you will be so surprised what any person, anyone, has the ability to do. They just have to stop being indoctrinated by every person around them. You can't do it. You, you're stupid. Yeah. You're not smart enough. The you're media, not the able. government, the bullshit yeah, that goes on. Everything. Even, and sometimes it sucks, even the people around you in your circle. Nah, man, you can't do that. And, to, and, and, and I want to do one more piece on that. Like, the God shit is, at times, really tough for people, right? Because they're yeah. like, oh, that's gay. And listen, my parents, I told you, were super religious growing up. I don't go to church every Sunday. I believe in God. But I'm not somebody pushing that shit on people every day. 
Um, for somebody who maybe questions that or thinks about like Keaton in the wrong way, because he's now saying, well, like, you know, God was real and he was able to do this or do that. What would you tell that person? That's a, this is, that's the best answer to that is what if I'm wrong? What if God's fake? What if it's all bullshit? Then what if what I told you is still true? Yeah. Meaning you're still chasing it. Yeah, dude. Like what if there is no God and I somehow convinced you that you have the ability to do anything that you want to do? Wow. I taught you to be positive. Oh shit, man. I taught you to believe in yourself. Holy fuck. I really messed up. Oh, I told you you could do anything you ever want to do. I wish every person would lie to me that way. I wish every person would tell every single person in the world in a lie. Hey man, you can do whatever the fuck you want to do. And I hope you believe that. It's easy to be negative. Yeah. But that's what I would say to that. I don't give a shit if you believe in God or not. Well, but Keaton, it's you're, limitless. you're a busy guy, and I know that you have not rushed me at all these last three days. I appreciate you and Maddie. I know Mike Tomei. Shout out to Auto Image. You're coaching him as well. Yeah. Thank you. Cheers. This was fucking awesome. Thanks, I think brother. everybody loved it. Everybody loved it. Cheers. Thanks, Thank man. you.